From NBC5 and the Dallas Morning News, this is the Lone Star Politics Podcast. I'm Chris Blake. Last week, Texas Governor Greg Abbott announced a special legislative session at which an elections bill is expected to be a top priority. Meanwhile, in Washington, Senate Republicans killed debate for the For the People Act, a voting rights protection bill. To talk about the special session and the state and federal legislation, Julie Fine and Gromer Jeffers will be joined by State Representative Craig Goldman and U.S. Representative Colin Allred. Before we get started, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to the Lone Star Politics Podcast. It helps grow the show and helps others find it. Abbott announced last week the date of the anticipated special session of the Texas legislature. He will call lawmakers back to Austin starting July 8th, but has not announced what will be on the agenda. Last month, he said he would only give legislators one item at a time. It is expected that the voting bill that Democrats killed in the waning hours of the regular session will be on the agenda. Lawmakers also need to address redistricting, but that is likely to happen in the fall. Representative Craig Goldman is a Republican who represents the state's 97th House District, serving his fifth term. The district covers southwest Tarrant County, including all of Benbrook and about a fifth of Fort Worth. Here's Goldman with Julian Gromer. Joining us this morning, State Representative Craig Goldman from Fort Worth. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Julie. Thank you, Gromer. Good and, to see you, though. on set. On you know, set. We're on back. set. That's this is right. the first guest we've had in well over a year, so welcome. Uh, thank you. I'm honored to be here. We're glad to have you. Let's start with that special session. What do you expect will be on that agenda? Well, uh, again, you said it, Julie. The governor gets to set the agenda. So we know uh, we're going to talk about uh, election integrity and election reform uh, legislation that, that died late in the session, in the regular session. So we know that's going to be on the call. And we're, gonna, we're sitting here waiting for everything else that the governor has the opportunity to put on the agenda. So you mentioned the election reform bill that died. Uh, when, when Democrats walked out the day before the session ended. Yeah. Will that bill be re, re, uh, resurrected in the same form? Will it be the same bill, or can you guys come together to make some compromise? Well, Gromer, I don't think there was anything really wrong with the bill in the first place. And why I say that is, is everybody who said they had a problem with it seemed to go on to soundbite rather than saying, well, this is the problem, the exact problem with the bill. Um, if people read the bill, I truly believe they wouldn't have a problem with it. In fact, two Democrats told me the night before the vote said that they actually read the bill and they didn't have a problem with it at all. If they weren't Democrats, they probably could vote for it. What about the Sunday yeah, reducing? The Sunday the reducing so and the, the fewer voting hours. The Sunday hours. portion was put in there mainly so people could go, go attend church and you know then the polls were going to be open from 1 till 7 on a Sunday. The main point we need to make is, and what we want to stress is, the election re reform bill, election re integrity bill that we had this session, did nothing to restrict currently how people vote in the state of Texas. It still had the two weeks of early voting. It still allowed early voting on the weekends. It allowed mail-in ballots to go through. So it didn't restrict anything. It was just codifying, setting up a statewide way for people to vote. But the House version, mm -hmm. Democrats, you know, they didn't like it, but they would have stayed there vote on, vote, and vote on a House version. It would have passed. There would be no need for elections building a special session. Why not go back to the House vote? I'm sure we can. Again, I, it depends who is going to be. I, I don't know who's going to be the author of the bill or who's going to be, you know, I assume it's going to go to the Elections Committee, obviously. Uh, but we'll all have that say when we go back July 8th, and the Democrats will certainly have a seat at the table to be able to express their opinion of what they want in the bill or not want in the bill. You think they'll walk out again? 
That's, you have to ask them. Yeah. And so you do not think this is a, a voter suppression bill? I, it's you, not a voter suppression. It, tell me where. critics would completely tell, disagree with you. They need to come to me and tell me where in the bill there was voter suppression. Allowing judges to just, with, with flimsy evidence, to overturn elections. They need to part. come to me and tell me where, where there was voter suppression in the bill. People need to read the bill. Well, I think you may get some calls on that one. <laughs> totally let's, let's talk a little bit about the power grid. A few weeks ago, Texans were told to conserve. Do you think the legislature did enough to fix the power grid? Because many critics don't. Julie, ERCOT did exactly what they did two weeks ago that they didn't do in February, was warn Texans of, oh, there might be a loss of power. Uh, they didn't do that in February. It was one of our number one um, uh, findings from 26 hours straight hours of hearings. In two days, we had a hearing for 26 hours straight. And what we found out was ERCOT did a horrific job of communicating with the people of Texas, did a horrific job of communicating with us. As a result of session in Senate Bill three, 2 and 3, um, ERCOT now is actually talking to the people of Texas, talking to legislatures. We, they actually had a call with the Democrat caucus in the House. They had a separate call with the Republican caucus members of the House to let them know what's going on so we can let our constituents know. Leaving us in the dark then leaves our constituents in the dark. But at that point, you know, we, we heard so often in the winter, this power grid is made for the summer in the heat, not the winter. So then we get all this heat in June, and there's questions as to whether there will be enough conservation, I'm sorry, there will be enough energy. But that's the whole point, is, is there wasn't a loss of power. What ERCOT was saying is, okay, we have a couple of the, of the generators, people who supply power to us, that are not performing at 100%. So we're just putting caution in the wind. If people can pull plugs from their electronics, if people can turn up their dial a little bit on their air conditioning units, it's nothing we don't do with water and everything else. When it's time to conserve, we just put out that warning to the people of Texas, hey, if you can conserve a little bit, that'll be better for the rest of Texas. That's all they did. Before I ask you about immigration, let me uh, back to, to the elections bill. Why, why not pass legislation to make it easier for people to vote, expand voting hours, you know, make it easier to register, because online register, things never, like that, you because know? Because we've never, it, it, isn't it ironic that we've never heard one complaint about the hours of voting we currently have in place? Right. We, think about when we were growing up. We had one day to vote. We had one location to go vote on one day. Look how much we've expanded it over time. Two weeks of early voting, including weekends, and if you put down a cause of why you need a vote by mail, you can certainly do so. All right. Uh, pre uh, former President Trump is with Abbott next week uh, on the border. Is it necessary for Texas to build a border wall? There's no question about that border security is our number one issue in this state. Why? But a wall? Because, well, it, it, look, if the experts say a wall will help uh, keep people out, meaning uh, Are experts uh, saying that though? You I, tell me. I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't work at the federal level. That. I don't work at the federal level. I don't work for Homeland Security. But people will tell me. I mean, people in my district certainly believe a border wall is Im imperative because of one, the number of illegals who are crossing the border; two, the number of kids, especially girls, who are being human trafficked across the border every single day; three, the number of drugs that cross that border every single day; record number of fentanyl in the last six months has come across that border. And guess what fentanyl is doing? It's killing our kids, especially on college campuses. What yeah. about from critics that say, you know, this money that um, the governor is proposing as a down payment for this wall could really be used in schools and in health care? How do you respond to we that? We just passed a bill this session to put record number of money in the schools. Um, so we passed House Bill 3 last session. We put up the funds to 
to uh, back up that money um, to, that, from the bill that we passed last session. So we have record number of money in the schools right now. Representative Craig Goldman, thank you for being with us. Now we can ask, we can really ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, great to be back. All right. All right. Thanks for being here. Shifting gears to national politics, Republicans in the U.S. Senate last week killed debate over a federal voting rights bill dubbed the For the People Act. The bill aims to set up automatic voter registration, expand early voting, ensure more transparency in political donations, and limit partisan drawing of congressional districts. The bill needed 60 votes to advance to debate in the Senate. It filled in a 50-50 vote along party lines. Legislation like the For the People Act is what Texas Democrats went to Washington to argue in favor of earlier this month. U.S. Representative Colin Allred, a second-term Democrat from Dallas, is a part of the House that passed its version of the bill in March. Here he is with Julian Gromer. Joining us this morning, Dallas Congressman Colin Allred. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So what do lawmakers do next, since it doesn't appear there's a path for that legislation right now? Well, we're certainly not giving up. I think, first of all, it was a big uh, accomplishment for us to have all 50 senators on the Democratic side get behind a voting rights expansion bill. Uh, Senator Manchin had some changes made. I'm fine with the changes that he wanted to make. So now we have all of the Democrats in the Senate behind that. And the question is, what are we going to do uh, to address the filibuster? So we're going to keep pushing on that. We also have the John Lewis Voting Rights Act that's going to be coming up uh, later this year to try and restore some of the provisions in the Voting Rights Act that were struck down by the Supreme Court. And hopefully uh, that can not only pass the House, but maybe get to the Senate as well, because we need to have some federal legislation to stop some of what we're seeing in states like ours. Yeah, uh, Representative, uh, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act will restore the pre-clearance provisions. That means states yes. like Texas will have to have any changes in election law approved by the Justice Department or federal government. But if that legislation doesn't occur, if you can't get that passed on a federal level, what can states like Texas do? Democrats and states Well, like I mean, that. yeah, well, there's always, uh, you know, litigation, there's always challenging these laws in court. And I think those have already been filed. And I think as soon as SB7, whatever version comes out of this special session, I think will also be challenged in court. And then there's activism. You know, we can't agonize about this, we have to organize and we have to overcome uh, whatever's been in our way. Texas was already the state in the country that had the harshest voting laws. I think the, what they're trying to add here uh, doesn't make any sense, uh, but we're always going to keep pushing and fighting. I'm certainly going to keep fighting to try and protect the right to vote, not just for Democrats, but for all Texans. Uh, the bottom line is winning elections, right? Well, I think, you know, there's a partisan outcome to voting, and I, and I understand that. And the campaigns for voting are partisan. But I've always seen the act of voting as nonpartisan. That's just the, the allowing folks to register to vote, allowing them to vote without some kind of interference, and then making sure that their vote is counted fairly. All of that, to me, should be as free of partisan influence as possible. And that's why some of the provisions in SB7 really concern me. It appears there's a bipartisan deal on an infrastructure bill that's smaller than the president originally wanted. Is this a step in the right direction? And do you think there could be more legislation later? I think it's a great step in the right direction. Uh, we certainly need it here in North Texas. We're one of the fastest growing places in the country. Obviously, Texas has had its own issues with our electric grid, but our water systems, our need for expanding broadband internet, uh, there are so many investments that we need to make 
And so I think this is a great first step. I think you'll also see us try to move forward on some of the things that are not in this bill uh, that will help in, in addressing climate change, but also kind of the human infrastructure side. Uh, you know, paid family leave is something I've been pushing really hard for. I was actually apparently the first member of Congress to ever take paternity leave, uh, but also childcare, pre-K. These are all things that I think I want to see us address because it's been a really tough year and a half for families, and we really need to help them out. So, Representative, will, will the deal be acceptable to progressives in your caucus who may feel like it doesn't do enough? You know, I certainly hope so, and I think it should be bipartisan, so hopefully we'll have some Republican support as well. Uh, you know, I think the president has tried very hard and has spent months negotiating uh, to try and find a bipartisan way forward. I think that's what the American people want to see us do also. And, you know, infrastructure has always been something that we really did have a lot of points of agreement on. We didn't always agree on how we were going to get around to paying for it, and that's always been kind of the issue. Uh, but I, I think that this is a great first step. It's good to kind of break some of that scar tissue as well to show that we can still do big things together. So, Representative, what's going on with police reform? There were initial reports that there was some, there's progress being made. How do things stand? Well, I think right now there's still negotiations ongoing, and, you know, it's been led by uh, Karen Bass on the House side and Tim Scott on the Senate side, so bipartisan, bicameral discussions around this. Obviously, we passed the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act in the House to try and uh, take some steps forward, both on accountability, but also resources to try and combat uh, some of the things that we think should change to help restore confidence between communities uh, and the police. And, you know, I think there's some still some issues that are being worked out. But from what I've been told, the framework is in place, which is a good thing. And, and what I think they mean by that is some of the foundational pieces are in place. The question is the final pieces. And I, I think we'll be there this summer. I've been told uh, that the negotiators are still optimistic. So, I, and I certainly still am. Congressman, we haven't seen you since you had your second son. First of all, congratulations. How's he doing? He's doing great. He's big, as you might imagine. And, uh, you know, he's not sleeping all the time, but that's to be expected for a three-month-old. <laughs> And you've been working on paid family leave. You just talked about that a little bit. That is a priority of yours. It is. I, you know, this is something in the NFL we used to say that we have a 100% injury rate, meaning that every single player was going to get hurt at some point. Uh, you know, we all have a 100% rate of something's going to happen in our lives at some point where we're going to need some time off work, whether that's welcoming a new child like we did or whether it's getting sick or having a family member fall ill. And we're the only country a major country like ours that doesn't offer paid, some form of paid family leave guaranteed for all workers. And particularly for men, uh, I wanted to try and make a statement because you know, far too men are allowed or have the opportunity to take paternity leave to be with their children. But it's really, really important. It is so important for the family. It has greater gender equity in the home when men take leave. Uh, it's better for the development of the child. Uh, it has benefits across the board. Uh, and so I wanted to say, you know, if an, NFL, if an NFL linebacker can do it, then anyone can do it. Try to be an example uh, and try to hopefully uh, make it easier for other men to follow in my footsteps. Congressman Allred, thanks so much for being with us. Congratulations again. Thank you. all Thanks for having me. Finally, even when we don't expect Texas to take center stage in national politics, it seems to find its way there. On Friday, Vice President Kamala Harris visited El Paso, this week, First Lady Jill Biden will visit North Texas, and later in the week, Governor Greg Abbott will meet with former President Donald Trump in Edinburgh. Back to Julian Gromer. 
Gromer, um, so much to go over this week. Let's begin with all of the activity, the visits to the border. First of all, Vice President Kamala Harris was there this past Friday. Yes, and um, the border is has always been a flashpoint for national politics, you know, since Trump uh, emerged in 2015 and said he was going to build a wall and Mexico would pay for it. And so we've been here since then. You've had surges at the border. You've had, you know, the numbers go up and down in terms of uh, illegal crossings. And now we're at a, at a point where state officials are, are joining federal officials in, in, in the action. Uh, you're right, the vice president was here. There was a lot of pressure put on her to come here and, and check things out. There right? is a lot of yeah. pressure on her to come here. And I think there's also confusion as to what her role is when it comes to the border, because she's supposed to be doing root causes of of immigration and which is why she started out going to you know some of the you know central american countries and things like that to sort of deal with the root causes because in in, in their view i i believe in their view we'll we'll see that you have to deal with the the causes of the problem and that means helping those countries deal with why folks are leaving there getting to Mexico and then coming across the border. But yet, but you're right. But the optics are so important in this game we and call politics that there was a lot of pressure on her to come here, even if it was just for what we call the photo op, right? She had to come here to, to uh, let folks know that the administration was serious about securing the border, that they cared about what was going on. And she knows was what's happening with the other side and so at the end of the day it's the federal government's responsibility to secure the border and so i think that's why you see her here she has to respond to that and you're right there was a lot of pressure on her from lawmakers and lawmakers in texas as well exactly and you had a situation in texas now where you know trump is is going to join the former president donald trump greg abbott at the border because Greg Abbott is, is talking about and wants to build a border wall, wants Texas to build a border wall. That sort of pours gasoline on this whole discussion because now you have another player involved, Texas. It's a federal responsibility, right? Now Abbott's building a wall. That sort of ramps this whole debate over immigration. It takes it to another level. And by the way, won't it take some time? I mean, you have to expect, I would imagine, legal challenges to Governor Abbott's decision to build the wall, don't I mean? And he has to find the money. He has right. also so, to raise the money. Uh, you know, he's talked about sort of uh, asking the federal government. I know he sent Joe Biden a letter uh, because uh, Trump did some eminent domain things to where he got some land and where they're going to build a wall. As you know, he didn't get a chance to 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 complete what he was doing, and so. Abbott is going to try to work with the federal government to say, hey, we'll, we'll use what you got through eminent domain to, to, to finish what Trump started. I don't think that's going to sell with the Biden administration, but it's things like that that, that Abbott's thinking about. But it's, it's political. You know, we, Craig Goldman was on earlier talking about experts are saying, or what. I was like, what experts? And you don't see anybody 
out there besides the politicians talking about you must build a wall to, to stem the tide of, of illegal immigration. No, uh, but it's a political issue. It's a winning issue. It's been a winning issue for Trump and Republicans. It really has. Uh, because I, 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 because I, I think Americans feel like uh, illegal immigration is a problem. And while they may not want uh, a wall or support building a wall, they also don't, don't want you to ignore it. So that's where we are. Gromer, uh, we have a little time off. And then, well, I mean, the little time off. I mean, a little time off in uh -huh. Austin, I guess. Lawmakers have yes. some time before a special session, which has now been called. Again, that is going to be July 8th. And we talked uh -huh. to uh, Representative Goldman about that. And, you know, we're not, we, we have an idea of what's going to be on the call for some of the agenda items. We're not 100% sure. It'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out, especially with the September 1st deadline of funding the legislature, essentially. Yeah. I, I listened to a, a call Abbott had with his supporters last Tuesday, and he did say uh, more stuff on, on curbing uh, education stuff. The, what is the creative? Uh, critical race cri theory. Critical race theory. Uh, that's going to be on the call. He wants to rein in social media companies. That's going to be on the call. That's what he told his supporters. And we know he wants an election bill. We know he wants that. And to me, that's the big one. How will Democrats, first of all, will they show up? And we know that they, they've sued, they're suing Abbott to try to get the Supreme Court to overturn his veto of, of the clause in the budget that funds the, the legislature. They say that's a violation of separation of powers. If they're successful in that, then I think for sure you will see another quorum break because they, they will have no motivation to show up and have uh, Republicans pass an election bill that they say suppresses the vote. They've been to see Kamala Harris. They've been to Washington, Pelosi, all that. They've made a big issue of it, so they're going to have to fight it. The problem, though, is Abbott's veto. If they can't get it overturned by courts, they have their staff saying, well, wait a minute. Right, After September 1st, we're, we're, we're not we're getting paid. paid health care, all of that. And so they'll have to figure out how to, how to deal with that if they don't get it overturned. Or you might see them have to show up for the sake of their staff unless they find another way to pay them, fundraising or something like that, pay them through their campaign accounts, or show up and, and, and the inevitable happens to Republicans pass the election bill that they want to pass. And this is all, by the way, before redistricting. This and that's the one that can get real dicey. I mean, was it 2003? 2003, where, where you had the... the you know, I was still back there. in college. Yeah, where, where, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but... I wish. Right, exactly. You, you look like you were still... Well, thank you. But, but, but what, what, what happened, what will happen there, though, is... I mean, we'll see. You know, redistricting is sort of an incumbent game in a way. So you're going to have folks like... Uh, I believe Colin Allred come out pretty pretty good in redistricting because I think that he'll be able to get together with, with some of the Republican map drawers who, who feel like, okay, we're not going to be able to knock you off, uh, but we do want other opportunities in North Texas. Maybe we can fortify your district and you know help in, in another area. We'll see Van Taylor. We'll have conversations. 
there'd be a lot of horse trading going on. So but you don't envision us ending up um, following people to New Mexico? I don't think for, not for redistricting. Do you think for, for voting? voting? Possible for voting, very possible, because they, they have got, the Democrats have made, they've drawn a line in the sand. They've gone to Washington. They've talked to the vice president. They're heroes now with Democrats across the country. If they show up for a special session and allow the process to, to unfold and allow Republicans, especially on the first go-around, to pass an elections bill, it will be a big disappointment, not just to Texas Democrats, but for Democrats across the country. They have to do something, in my view, and, and we'll see what it is. But they have to find a way to at least try to kill the bill one time. Well, they killed it once, but another time. Partner, I want you to have a great 4th of July. You won't be here with me. I know, I know, I know. But, you know, hey, you know, it was fun. Uh, we had um, pizza the other night. We haven't had pizza since we used to hang out pre-pandemic. When we used to go to that spot, what is it, Chelsea? Oh, Chelsea Corner. Oh, yeah. Yes, we used to go there. Yeah, we had pizza. Yeah. Gromer and I finally got together and had pizza. That was, that was it was cool. super yeah. fun. We exactly. had a great time. Yeah. We've had and we had barbecue one night. Yeah, we're starting it. We're starting to, to We got the band back together. Yeah, that's, that's right. So, all yeah, right. So have a happy happy fourth, and, and I'll see you when you get stuff. back. Yeah. All Do right. you know what we have to talk about next time on the podcast? What? Buffalo, the city of Buffalo. Oh, politics. I know. We could go all day. They're new. Yeah, they're new. I'll get out. I am going to Buffalo, so I'll have lots of information right, for we you. We have your dad on to talk about we, it. Bob Pye. Yeah, but he'd love it. Believe me. All right. And we can talk about the bills, too. Yeah. All right. Good to see you. Almost that time. Thanks to State Representative Craig Goldman and Congressman Colin Allred for joining the show this week. You can stay up to date on everything Texas politics by visiting NBCDFW.com slash Lone Star Politics. We'll talk to you next week.